saints. You're happy to be in the house of the Lord. Can we just stand and have a word of prayer? I was going to read Psalms 57, 5, if y'all want to pull it up. In the book of Psalms 57, verse 5, it says, Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Almighty God, Lord, it's a privilege and an honor, dear God, to be able to just take all our needs and our desires, Lord, and just put them at your feet, dear God. Thank you for this service tonight, Lord. I thank you for the saints of God that are here. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy and your love that you have, Father. Lord, help us to each one dig down deep and just set aside all the things, Father, that we're worried about and thinking about in the future and the past and today and what we did. And Lord, help us to just put a calm in our spirit, Lord. Give us the strength tonight, Father. To receive your word, Lord, for it is glorious and it lives, Lord. And we want it to live inside of us. We thank you for all you do for us. You're so good to us, Lord God. We love you so much and we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Lord. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask. Amen. The congregation says... Amen. And above all powers, above all kings, and all created things, above all and all the ways of man you were here before the world began above all kingdoms above all Amen. Above all wonders the world has ever known. Above all wealth and treasures of this earth. There's no way to make what your word crucified laid behind the stone you live to die rejected and alone Lie
thank you, Lord, took the fall and thought of me. Crucified again, we'll crucify laid behind the stone. You live to die, rejected and alone, like a rose. And thought of me above all. Let's sing that from the top. Above all powers, above all kings. Think about what you're singing now. Above all nature and all created above all wisdom and all the ways of man you were here before the world began above all Aren't you glad he took that fall and thought of me above all? Sing it with all your heart now. Well, let me hear you. Crucified, laid behind the stone.
took the fall and thought of me above all. Could we give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise tonight? He is worthy. Amen. Amen. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Oh, in the morning when I rise, I mean, think about it. In the morning when you rise, what would you rather have? Here's this wonderful, awesome, just no words to describe light that loves you. And when you wake up, he's right there. Hello, my child. Good morning. Let's just sing to him from the depths of our heart tonight. Give him the praise that he deserves. Amen. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. In the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all this world, give me Jesus, well when I am alone. When I am alone, when I am alone, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you. die oh when I come to die when I come to die give me Jesus give me Jesus give me Jesus Well, when I am in prayer, oh, when I am in prayer, when I am in prayer, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, you can have all 
this world give me Jesus you ever been afraid before when I am afraid well when I am afraid when I am afraid give me Jesus give me Jesus give me your majesty. Amen. Think about first time you see him in all of his glory. Amen. Oh, majesty, worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be our glory, honor, and praise. Just be kingdom authority flow from his throne. Unto his own, his anthem raised. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify Christ. Kingdom 
Can we give him another hand clap of praise? Amen. I know there's, uh, I think I wrote them down. I know that there's one birthday I won't forget. Sister Lana's birthday was on the 17th. So happy birthday, Lana. Um, <clears throat> I know that Brother Jason and Sister Amy DeMars' anniversary, I believe, is on the 22nd. Is that right? All right. Happy anniversary. And... Uh, and then we need to make sure that we wish uh, Sister Amber Smith a happy birthday on the 23rd when you see her. So I'll be praying for her too. So you can be seated. Brother John and I are going to try and do a song together. phone call was asked to sing this like four minutes before church started so you know I got somebody to, to lean on here and all these gifts to lean on so you love the Lord But 
us now We are standing in His presence on holy ground Just close your eyes and sing that to Him now We are standing on holy ground that are angels all around. friends we are standing in his presence on holy ground let's just sing it without the music for a minute let me hear you now we are standing on holy ground And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now. standing in his presence on holy ground sing that again let's just worship him while we sing it for we are standing on holy because I brought him. Walked out here. Well, actually, when I stepped up to the door and heard all that singing, I said, oh, he's already here. <laughs> Amen. So praise the Lord. Turn around and shake hands with somebody. Amen. Amen. Shake it. Get like a really southern, real big pump. Yeah. Get the blood pumping on a Wednesday night. Amen. Praise God. Thanks, sir. <clears throat> Amen. I sure appreciate that song. I know it was short notice. I jumped Brother Bradley and Brother John with that. 
Oh, you're fired. Okay. <laughs> uh, Brother Luther just set the basket out at the back. Amen. Uh, we didn't get the uh, tithes and offerings taken up. Amen. Brother Bram said no service is complete without doing that, but we'll put it back there. Amen. You can obey the Lord as you leave. God bless you. Exodus chapter 7 this evening. Amen. Looking forward to the ministering this thought tonight and I've had it in my notes for a little while, just playing a waiting game with the Lord, seeing when he wanted to light it up. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. Glad to be home and uh, amen. just um, had a really nice time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Say more about that maybe at the end when uh, we give testimonies. I seem to be going in and out, Brother Brad. Sure. Do I need to make a switch? Or? Okay. All right. Exodus chapter 7. And um, we'll just read three verses and we'll let you be seated. However, um, Brother Caleb, you just keep that uh, scripture up. We'll continue reading after we're seated. Exodus 7, chapter, chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this evening, and I ask now that you will give us that unction of the Spirit, Lord, for I have much enjoyed preparing this little Wednesday night thought, and Lord, it's just meant a lot to me, and I'm sure that your children will enjoy it, Lord, as a meal prepared by the King himself. Now, let you, may you anoint speaker and hearer, we commit it to you. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. I have a, um, a few prayer requests tonight that we will get to in a little while. So if you're streaming and you have a prayer request you'd like to send in, um, send it. I actually, last Wednesday, I didn't have... Uh, WhatsApp running, and uh, but you can. I do have it running tonight, so uh, you can send it by that. Just send it directly to me, Amen. Or by text is just fine, also, Amen. One, in fact, is when I think about the streaming audience, I, I think I, I should probably greet all of our friends who were formerly Bethel Tabernacle Phoenix. That was a thing, <laughs> and it was a thing I didn't even know it existed, and. Uh, Somebody told me, said, you know, there's a Bethel Tabernacle in Phoenix. And I said, man, don't play. What are you talking about? And sure enough, we had uh, saints out there meeting and gathering, and you all know them well. In fact, is um, Sister Nicole Jackson will be here with us this weekend, and um, Brother Mike Alderson and his family, amen, him and Sister Jennifer and their children and uh, her parents, amen, um, Brother Dale and Sister Darlene, Brother John, Sister Nicole, all of that gang that was out there. We got to see them while I was there ministering. They go to Brother Aaron 
Uh, McGarry's now there in Phoenix. And so we're, I could see they're happy and that made me happy. Amen. So uh, just in a conversation talking with them, I realized they either figure out a way to stream live or they figure out how to get every single archive <laughs> because, uh, you know, Sister Darlene, she's uh, just as adorable as you could imagine, as you would know, and uh, we're hoping they will come here and visit. But she was telling Sister Debbie, she was saying, where is Steve and Emily? <laughs> and she said, oh, it was so good to see Sister Jean come in. And, she, and we realized, you know, and she was asking about this one and about that one, and she pretty much knows everything about us. So, amen. We should all probably turn around and wave at the camera, but uh, we want to greet them in the name of the Lord tonight. We had a really wonderful time there with them, had a marriage banquet, kind of a sweetheart's banquet on the Saturday night. And uh, I got to thinking, man, it's high time we have one of those here again. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, we got, we got uh, old married folk that, that need uh, some adjustment. We got young married folks that uh, could probably use some inspiration. And we got those who are almost about to get married and are desperate for some instructions. So, amen. We're happy in the Lord. Amen. Brother Caleb's giving me the, the pump sign back there, you know. Amen. He's, he's ready. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, so we're looking forward to that. We might um, have some thoughts along that line coming up here pretty soon. I want to continue reading in Exodus chapter 7, and uh, let's, let's read verse 3 again, and then we'll carry on down from there. Let me get to where I need to be. All right. So Exodus 7 and 3 And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply, now catch what he's going to multiply, my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. I'm speaking to you tonight on a title, Why Does God Perform the Supernatural? Why does God perform the supernatural? Verse 4, but Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. So, you know, Moses, you're, uh, you're going to be so equipped that you're going to be a god. And in fact, is so strong is going to be the body ministry at the time of the Exodus that Aaron will be your prophet. And so, so we realize then that, that you say, my goodness, there's nothing going to stop these, these guys. I mean, this is God and a prophet in the form of a prophet and his brother who's going to end up being in the priesthood. You'd think there's no power on earth that can stop this. My goodness, when he walks in there, the hammer drops, the Israel's going to, they're going to chase Israel out of there. And nothing could be further from the truth. And in fact is, as strong as that dynamic duo were, and we're not talking about Batman and Robin, as strong as that duo were, God actually had a greater purpose than just empowering his church. He actually was going to get great glory to himself and bring Israel out. He doesn't just want them to go out. He actually wants to bring them out under judgments. See, because so, 
So sinful had been those ancient Egyptians, so you know, uh, so evil and so wicked, and and you don't get by with things like that. God talked Amorites is not yet full, and that was going to be a judgment on a certain different kind of class. But just understand this: that God keeps a book of remembrance, and He has long memory when it comes to remembering sin and who's deserving of a thumping. Ironically, he has an incredibly short memory once things go under the blood of the lamb. And in fact is, it goes completely out of existence and even God himself, the one and only, can't remember it anymore. So we read on here, but Pharaoh shall not hearken, see, Verse 5, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. I, to me, and this is just completely, Brother Jason, there's no quote anywhere even indicating a third cousin to this, but I just wonder, being a, a history, especially a student of history of the ancient world particularly, you know, I wonder if, if God took special exception, you know, to the fact that these Egyptians claimed to have built Enoch's pyramid. And I know that they didn't build them, they came upon them after the flood. Those things were built uh, by an antediluvian people and Enoch built the greatest one of all of them. And for Egypt to, you know, uh, to, to usurp that that thing to say, we are the greatest culture because look what we did. And all they did was stumble upon Enoch's work left behind. And I wonder sometimes if God took exception to that and, and maybe this is exactly why he would even say concerning Pharaoh, for this reason have I raised thee up. Now again, that's just Brother Jason speculating as a history student. So uh, you don't have to put that one in your bag at all. <clears throat> I mean, it, it is, it is, uh, I, it is, I am absolutely convinced to my satisfaction, historically speaking, and I've looked at the evidence in depth, they absolutely came upon those pyramids. They did not build them. Amen. I know Egyptologists, is that what they're called, J.D.? That's what they want to claim, but it's not true. The actual history and the findings that archaeologists have found already refute that claim. Amen. See? So, but you know, when you tell a lie long enough the same way, after a while it becomes accepted as the truth. Verse 6, and Moses and Aaron did as the Lord, um, let me read 5 again. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Verse 6, and Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. So, the fact that he still won't let them go is not because somebody failed. Moses and Aaron did exactly what God told them to do. Listen, friends, you're nearing a third exodus. And I, and I know that the devil sometimes looks like he's winning and it looks like we're losing. You're not losing. And it has not about, oh, well, if, if I had just been stronger, if I hadn't had this weakness, forget that nonsense. You're perfectly in the plan of God. Hallelujah. Say, but I got mistakes. You think God don't know how to deal with that? You, he's your heavenly father, friends. I knew my children made mistakes. I didn't set them at the curb. 
I disciplined them and trained them and used them for teachable moments. Who was the original daddy? Who was the original papa? See? So everything here is just a shadow of that. Verse verse 6 again, and Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them. So did they. And Moses was fourscore years old and Aaron fourscore and three years old when the people spoke unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spoke unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord commanded. So Aaron is now manifesting the word of the prophet. Aaron is now demonstrating. Aaron's demonstration is a final voice after Moses has already said it. I'm here to tell you something, friends, at that exodus, at the second exodus, and at this exodus, God is engaging this family. God is engaging you. Why does God uh, perform the supernatural? Because he's a supernatural being and he's got a supernatural plan and you're a supernatural family. And we go out of here by a rapture, it's going to be a supernatural event. You're not going to be able to put yourself in it, but neither can you keep yourself out of it. Hallelujah. And Aaron cast his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Okay, that's going to for sure do it now. No, okay, no, no more need to do anything after that. Well, they'll surely get to go. Verse 11. Everybody get packed up. We're leaving. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Huh? Wait, what? Now the, now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. What do we do now? My, I thought the message was the greatest thing out there, and now it just looks like everybody can make a claim. And it even looks like people can now do things that look like maybe the message isn't the thing that it's supposed to be. But just understand this, understand this, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. So why does God perform the supernatural? Why would he perform the supernatural? God does not always do supernatural signs, and, and he does not want us to demand them or depend on them, at least not, not demanding and depending in the way that we might think we need the supernatural. God is constantly doing the supernatural that you're alive and a believer in an impossible age is supernatural. You're already a walking conundrum to the devil. The harder he makes it, the more you love God. The rougher it gets, the harder you push. Hallelujah. Poor old guy can't win for losing. I've often said the devil could actually win if he wasn't always losing. But God does not want us to demand miracles, signs, or the supernatural or wonders. He doesn't want us to depend on them as the world would consider them. He expects us to trust him based on what he has already done 
Not something he needs to do. I've got faith in him for what he's already done. If he never does another thing for me, I will leave this world as a believer. See? We are to have faith in what he's already done. Faith in what he has already revealed in his word. Matthew 16, 4 says a wicked and an adulterous. Grab that one for me, Brother Caleb. Matthew 16, 4. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and there shall, now catch who's seeking them. Amen. Amen. So we don't want to be sitting here tonight trying to put God over a barrel to give us something supernatural. See, we're, we're to believe that he's all, what he's already done. We're to believe what he's already revealed. We are to be at peace. We are to be in contentment in whatever situation we find ourselves in because he lives. I can face tomorrow. Before I get there, I already know I can. And I don't even know what it holds, but I already know I can because of what he's already been. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. He just left. You want a sign? I'm not doing it. Bye. Is he actually leaving? Yeah, he's, there he goes over the hill. I thought he was going to, no. He just said no and he left. The Lord wants us and he warns us to be careful. In Matthew 24, 24, he warns us to be careful of false signs and false wonders that will deceive the world and actually would be so deadly that they would deceive us if that were possible. Friends, don't, don't underestimate the devil. I'm here... I, I've already given you a number of things and you've already roared out amens and we've rejoiced around. But understand, and this ain't a game. Life is happening and we're being perfected in real time and we don't have all the answers, but I, but I know who does. And I just know this, I just want him in control. Hallelujah. He, he warns us to be careful, Matthew 24, 24, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall, shall, they shall show great signs and wonders. So it's not just smoke and mirrors or tricks. They're actually signs and wonders. They're going to demonstrate some things insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So, so as, as happy as we are tonight and we're rejoicing, Sister Chastity, God bless you. Oh, my goodness. I didn't notice y'all sitting here. Praise the Lord. Interrupt my whole sermon. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wow. I seen a sister paying keen attention and said, that's oh, familiar. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> All right. Where was I? Let me get my thoughts back in gear here. Praise the Lord, sis. I'm thrilled to see you. Amen. So here's my point that yes, we are his chosen people, but these are dangerous times. Yes, we do have the word, but you got to be careful. 
Let me tell you something, young people, teenagers, and, and the older ones in here could, could give you a, a, a quick lesson just by telling you the history of their life. Uh, this is serious. I mean, the, you know, even the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence unto this day, and the violent have to take it by force. If you want a blessing, go take it. If you need something for God to do, go get it. I promise you the devil was going to resist you, but greater is he that is in you. And your only concern, the only thing you have to worry about is, is your life worthy of the gospel? That's it. After that, it will be the Lord that gives the devil the beat down on your behalf if your life is worthy of the gospel. But even when the Lord does that to him, it might not look like what you thought. Amen? I think tonight that the greatest sign of the supernatural is found in John chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And as Moses, John 3, 14 to 17, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlast, but have eternal life. So, so already, you already know that who doesn't believe in him's got a big problem. Can, did you read that? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So apparently whoever's not believing in him have a problem. They will not perish but have eternal life. I'm here to tell you, if you have made a decision to not follow the Lord Jesus, you got a big problem. And it's not one you can solve and it's not one you can escape and there's no turning back and there's not going to be any type of, of reprieve. You have one way to, to eternal life and that's through Jesus Christ, through the willing acceptance from your heart to say, Lord, I don't want to be me anymore. I want to be you and I want you to come and live in my life. That is the only hope of salvation. Otherwise, you're doomed to a tribulation. Whatever happens to you at the judgment bar, that's up to God. You'll get a fair trial, but for sure you are doomed to a tribulation. I promise you don't want to be there. Amen. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's a double warning. But have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Amen. So ultimately friends tonight. The greatest sign that God has given us. That God has ever given the world is his son. That's the greatest supernatural act the earth will ever know of. Is that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for our justification. We find out, you're talking about supernatural power. You're talking about a miracle. If we believe in him, 
we have eternal life. That ain't a small thing. He must not have been a small person. I mean, imagine just believing in a person, and that's what he was, a human. Believing in a human gives you eternal life. This was more than a man. This was quite a man and more than a man. As Brother Branham said, he was the God-man. Oh, what a privilege. Oh, what a supernatural that God would reveal this person to you. No wonder Brother Branham would say, what is the new birth? You say, well, Brother Branham, what is the new birth? It is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. It's that, just that language alone means it ain't happening to everybody. Otherwise, where's the privilege that he does it to say, you're privileged, you're right. You're right, I am. Before the foundation of the world, I was chosen in Christ. Hallelujah. Say, what are you going to do about it? Try to get everybody I can to believe like I do. Hallelujah. But if we believe in him, we have eternal life. And then we have the promise in Ephesians chapter 1, the very first chapter of Ephesians. We have the promise that that the Holy Ghost who is the guarantee, he's actually a guarantee of our inheritance. If you believe on Christ, then you're, you're, and you repent and you believe on him and you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, then you have a guarantee, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In whom ye also trusted. Why am I, you know, tonight as I was putting this sermon together, I was thinking about all these scriptures I'm going to go to, and I almost did a PowerPoint, but I didn't want to do it because it's Wednesday and so I just told the, I didn't know who would be manning. It's Brother Caleb tonight getting a workout. But I said, just be ready because I want to cover a bunch of scriptures. And as I was putting that together this afternoon, I was thinking, yes, sir, I'm just going to chuck this thing full of scriptures because I was so impressed with Brother J.D. on Sunday in that thought, my goodness, I was blown away by that. And just scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And he built a whole case. And by the time he got done, I was a believer. Hallelujah. I said, who could doubt that? It was so biblical. One, two. I mean, the devil was just taking punch after punch after punch after punch. Oh, I tell you something, Brother Jason. I was so thrilled. I told Sister Debbie, honey, you got to get this archive. I, I, I thought to my, that statement you made about God does not pour out his wrath upon his children. Don't ever let the devil tell you that. Jesus Christ took the wrath of God. He might pour out loving correction on you, but the wrath of God was taken in Christ on my behalf. Oh, that just shuts the devil down. Verse 13, in whom whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So being sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise is receiving, is attached to the receiving of the truth for your hour. I don't just mean mentally, but in your heart, heart to heart with God. Which is the earnest. We made you, we we told you that, that this Holy Ghost is our guarantee. And this is what Paul is saying which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, to me, I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just laying 
Uh, you know, back in the day when, when Brother Eddie and I, we were traveling, we were on the road doing a lot of painting, and we were on the interstate a lot. I'd been on, by the time I was 18, I had been on at that time. It's probably not true now, I'm quite sure, because there's been more interstates built. But there in the late 70s and early 80s, by the time I was 18, I had been on every, every U.S. interstate in the United States at least once. I'd been multiple times all the way to the West Coast. I'd been to all 48 lower states. By the time I was 18, we traveled a lot. And one of the things we did to pass time on the road was we had the, the CB radio, and, and you could hear all the truckers talking. And, and you, had a, you had a lead trucker, and then you had the guys in the rear and these guys up here were watching out for cops ahead. These guys were watching out for sneaky cops sneaking up behind. And the guy in the middle, they said, he's in the rocking chair. Because he's just, he just rocking. He's got lemonade. He ain't got to worry about nothing. He's got a bird dog up front. He's got a rear guard in the back. Nobody can sneak up on him. Nobody can surprise him. I'm here to tell you that if I've got an inheritance that's an earnest, until, my re until the redemption of the purchased possession, there's nowhere in the middle for the devil to get me. From the time I'm sealed to the time I'm gone. Hallelujah. There's no chance for him. I'm just in the rocking chair. Hallelujah. Oh my, to the, until, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. One of the greatest meetings that Brother Branham ever had was held in India, 300,000 people. And you say, well, what about Durban? Durban was a tremendous meeting. 30,000 coming to the Lord in one altar call. 25,000 notable miracles stood on their feet in one single prayer. There are eyewitnesses to that. I've heard their eyewitness testimony. We're not just talking about what William Branham said. I've heard the eyewitness testimonies of people who were there. I talked personally to George Zadscliffe before he passed away. I interviewed him over the phone and asked him about the certainty of his book. I said, your book seems incredible. Passed myself off as maybe I'm not a full believer. You know, sir, what you wrote, what you wrote in a prophet visit South Africa seems in, incredible. I'm sorry, I don't mean to impugn your integrity, but it, what you're saying just seems almost impossible. And that old man about come through the phone on me, I'll tell you, young man, Every bit of it was true. I was there. I saw it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard uh, Brother Bosworth on tape recording talking about that meeting and saying he never imagined 25,000 people could be healed with one prayer. He'd never thought to try that. He thought you just had to pray for people one at a time. And he said, Brother Branham just prayed one prayer. And he said, we watched 25,000 people. Notable miracles. We're not talking about somebody got a sniffly nose. And the dead being raised. I'm telling you something, friends. That was quite a meeting. And yet India, and, and I know there's, there's all of this nonsense about, oh, well, there was never 300,000 people. I went to the very spot where the meeting was held. I went into the church and stood in the pulpit when I was in India. I talked to the man who's the pastor whose grandfather was, the, was one of the team leaders as an organizer of that meeting. And, and, I, and he, he said, absolutely, there are 300,000 people here. He said, it was, my family has known that for years. And he said, I said, well, sir, I'm looking at all these buildings. And you say it was right here. And, he, and that's what people don't realize. They say, oh, where's 300,000 people going to gather? But he said, sir, and when William Brandon was here, none of these buildings were here. 
They were all, this was all open field. And I said, glory, hallelujah. I want to tell you something, friends. You've come too late to tell this old boy it ain't real. I done been around the seven seas. I already proved this thing. I've already went. I've seen God do it. I've not only heard what he did, but I've seen him do it in my own ministry. So, so we find that, 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 that when he was there, he, he, he talked about it. And a lot of times if you, if you hear him you know, discussing India and you hear him discussing Durban meetings, and you almost hear language that sounds like, well, which one's India? And the reason for that is, if you've ever been to Durban, it's almost a completely, I, I would say conservatively, it's three quarters East Indian culture. And uh, I was, it was there, not in India, where I saw the, the festivals. And I saw where Brother Bradham said they put those hooks in their body and pulled chariots. I saw that. I witnessed it. And where they walked on fire. I actually was standing right there and watching it happen. And so, so a lot of times you can get the language a little bit confused uh, as to what was happening where. But, but, but we realize that when Brother Branham, one of the things that he encountered is that he was told, you know, by the leaders of both of those meetings to say, uh, you know, Brother Branham, we've had dead theology for generations. What we need is a living God. We've had theology. If all you've done is come over here, William Branham, to bring us more dead theology, I'm here to tell you, our Bible schools are turning them out like crazy. It's just all dead theology. There's no real power of God. We need to see a living God. And you know the story. I'm not here to, to, to go down that rabbit trail tonight. But, you know, when, when you think about Though that Indian culture, that East Indian culture, and how steeped they are in heathenism. When I was there, and they, they have 33 million different gods that they worship and burn incense to. 33 million. Madness. This is madness. And I, I walked through their shrines, and it just endless caverns and under it's like an underground and every every dark cave-like corridor you go down there's there's incense burning here and incense burning there and painted images here and sculpted images here and and people prostrating and and you know you've got you've got cows and they're starving and they won't sacrifice the cows because they're holy and some of them are so so religious that when they when they walk when they walk from point a to point b they walk like this, shooing possible insects out of their path, lest it be some distant relative who's reincarnated. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's torture. That, that, can you imagine having to be steeped in that kind of, of, of idolatry? And, and I'm here to tell you something, friends. When you go into a place like that, you've got to be able to demonstrate the supernatural. Why does God perform the supernatural? A lot of times it's to confirm the message and the messenger that he sent. We've seen it happen. I, I, I've seen all kinds of miracles. I could stand here tonight and tell you from decades of traveling around the world and seeing incredible miracles. But we find that 
You've got to have the realities of the living God. And Brother Branham facing the challenge, you know, of, of dead theology. But, but now remember, remember, Brother Branham teaches us that when God performs the supernatural, he has a reason to do it. He said, God doesn't entertain us. This isn't Barnum and Bailey. He's not a, a circus performer. He's not, as I've said to you many times, he's not Santa Claus. You don't give him your wish list. You know, he's not a vending machine. You get in trouble. You're not very spiritual. You don't ever think about God. you got your whole life and all your priorities wrapped up in Laodicea, and the devil gets almost all of your time, and God can't even get you into the house of God until you're in trouble. And then you're looking for 75 cent to go to, a, to go to the God vending machine and drop three quarters and Lord, give me some deliverance. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to defend him tonight. He's not that kind of a God. He deserves more out of you and I than that. He gave his life. He deserves everything you have. You have no chance if he didn't love you. He's not here to entertain us. He has very specific reasons for demonstrations of his supernatural power and signs and wonders are in his personal presence. As he said to, as we read in our, in Exodus, he, he said, I'm doing it for this reason. I'm going to do signs and wonders. He's gone. Then I'm going to harden his heart so that then I can, I can actually bring judgments upon him and be just be justified in it. Cause he, I won't force him to reject it, but he will see. And in his, and in, you say, no, God hardened his heart. That's not scriptural. God hardens your heart after you reject him. God never even sends a man to judgment without first giving him a fair trial. Paul, Paul, Paul clears that up in the New Testament, that when the ancient people made a choice, when they knew God, they chose not to worship him as God but made of him winged creatures and four-footed. And therefore, God turned them over to a reprobate mind. See? To, be, to believe the lie and be damned by it. And if all you hear is that part that God caused them to believe a lie so they'd be damned by it, then the critic says, see, God, God did that. God didn't do it. They did it over here. See? So, so God, God gives everybody a legitimate opportunity, even starting with Cain. See, so don't, don't confuse, don't make the scriptures jam into each other like that. You can't turn the God into something like that. He's not, he's not uh, uh, there's no injustice in him. In Mark 16, we find that sometimes God performs the supernatural in order to confirm the truth of his message and his messengers. I've made that statement to you already. I'd like to read the scripture, Mark 16, 19 to 20. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. And I'm a witness today. Brother Jason is a witness today. Brother Brad is a witness today. Any men who have taken this gospel, especially overseas in America, 
It's hard. Uh, it's not that God can't do it, but God just won't when he feels that resistant, arrogant American spirit. He's not here to entertain us, and I promise you, he ain't got nothing to prove to you. You can serve him or you'll perish. You can give your heart to him or you're finished. Those are your options. You're born with a death sentence, and he loved you enough to die for you. If you don't accept it, it ain't on him. So we find that, but, but when there are people who believe, then God does do, and I'm a witness that God does the supernatural. I've seen devils cast off. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen the lame walk. I know it's real. There's no power, no power of the enemy that can withstand God's family when they're praying in faith and believing God's word. I'm an eyewitness to that around the world. So why does God do and perform the supernatural? It's many often, often times it's to demonstrate his love and his compassion for those who are suffering. John eleven four. Give me that one right quick, Brother Caleb. We'll read that and I'm just going to try to uh, not spend much time on it here. John 11 and 4. Then said Jesus unto them, uh, yeah, thank you. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son might be glorified. Now, you're familiar with that story because, you know, his friend Lazarus had died. He said, I'm going to go wake him. But the whole, the whole point was that God is going to receive some glory. You say, well, you know, my, it seemed like a sad case. And even, even you find that Jesus comes along and Jesus says, where have you laid him? And, and they said, Lord, show, and the place where we laid him. And the Bible says, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And I'll tell you something, friends. I read some commentary some years ago that I kind of lean into a little bit. I don't, I, you know, I know that Jesus was a man, but he already knows he's about to be raised from the dead. So then what's the point? Why would he be crying? And they said, oh, see how, the, see how he loved him. Now, that was the humanistic. Oh, poor Jesus of Nazareth. See how he loved him. He did love him, but he wasn't there to leave him in a grave. He already knew he's going to be raised up. He already said it. See, and he says to Martha, you know, if, if you had been here, my son, my brother not died. And he said, you know, thy son shall live again. Yea, Lord, in the resurrection. And Jesus, Jesus immediately makes her stop looking forward. He, he didn't say in the resurrection he'll raise. He said, I am the resurrection. So the resurrection is just not a calendar event. He said, I am the resurrection. This is the model of his bride. Have authority. Because the resurrection is already in you. It's already started in your soul. Your soul's already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So why is he crying? And I read one commentator said one time, because of all the unbelief around him. I thought that makes a lot of sense to me. After all he had done, everything he had said and after it so showed so many miracles and yet they still, it, the Bible even says that in another place, that yet he did so many things yet still they did not believe him. And to think, I'm going to tell you something, you want to talk about breaking his heart? Disbelieve his word when you ought to believe it. 
When you're his child, you're his son, you're his daughter. And if anybody ought to take the word of God, it ought to be us. And sometimes we let the devil string us out with this trial and that trial and this up and down and this problem and this and that and the other. And, and you lose confidence in God. You may tell you the opposite of that, Brother Branham. Now look at the opposite of it in case you doubt this side of it. Let me show you the, the, the contrast. Brother Branham says, you believe his word and that makes him love you and you get what you ask for. Amen. See, so, so we find that, that he, he doesn't, he doesn't always show his compassion in the way we expect. But could I say to you, it's still him. Hello? I, I know that he doesn't always show his compassion like, like you had it written down on your prayer. He might not be showing you his love like the prayer request you sent in. He might actually be showing you his love by doing the opposite. Almost like, wow, did you read that to God upside down? No, he heard it read. And he's answering it in the way he knows best. So I just want to say to you tonight, that's a, I know that's a short, direct way to say it, but that's how I, I felt inspired to say it. When I read John 11, that story in John eleven four, I realized that he doesn't always show his compassion in the way we expect, but it's still him. It's still him. So why does God perform the supernatural? Sometimes to fulfill his promises and his prophecies. Luke 24, Brother Caleb, back to Luke 24, 44 to 49. So watch this now, Luke 24, 44 to 49. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the law and in, I'm sorry, and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He's got Cleopas and his companions on the road to Emmaus. You're familiar with this. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. See, they didn't understand why did he suffer, why did he die. They're all downcast. And he walks out among them and says, you know, why is it that you walk and you're sad? And they said, are we you a stranger? You haven't heard the things that have happened? And he said, what things? Well, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, a mighty man approved of God, and we thought it had been he that should save Israel. Now he's dead, and this is the third day, and some crazy women said they saw him, and we don't know what to do. And you know what? Jesus could have just repeated his same line if he'd have wanted to. He could have said, yeah, like I said, what things? Well, all of these, yeah, what things? Well, death and terrible, yeah, exactly, what things? Sometimes we have to get that through our head. I know things go wrong and things get upside down. The world gets crazy. Your home gets crazy. Your life gets crazy. Your family gets crazy. You say, oh, all these things. And I say, what things? Say, well, this, that, and the other. And I say, again, what things? Jesus lives. He's got a plan. He's in control. Yeah, but this and that, what things? There aren't any things except this. This is the only thing that matters. Hallelujah. And you've got the choice to live in that level of victory. Amen. The devil don't 
don't want you to live in that level of victory. He wants you to live, roll around in the dust and throw dust in the air and, and woe is me. And I'm here to tell you, somebody above you is in control. Hallelujah. And said to them, thus it is written. Oh, that's fine. Go ahead. The next one. And that repentance and remission of sins. You see, guys, this is why it had to happen. So that remission of sin should be preached. I know you didn't understand it, but it had to be preached in his name among all nations. It had to begin at Jerusalem. I know you think it's all wrong, but you're all wrong. It's all right. See? And so, verse 48, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So, Jesus now has made them a promise. He's cleared up a lot of their misunderstanding and prophecy. And on the Mount of Olives, they're, they're asking him a question. You know, uh, you know uh, Lord, will you now... Will you now restore Israel? I mean, when, when the prophet even, you know, they, they had that wrong. They thought, okay, now you're going to, okay, you died. We got it. Boy, we, whew, we didn't see that one coming. And then you rose. We heard you rose. And then we were all depressed. And then you opened us the scriptures. And then you opened our understanding. And then you opened our eyes. And we saw it was you. And then you disappeared. And then you met us in a room and then you met us by the seashore. And, and, uh, and okay, we think we're figured this out now. Okay, now we're on the Mount of Olives. All right. Woo! Okay, we got it, Lord. I'm sorry we doubted you. Now are you going to restore Israel? They still weren't getting it. They still thought they had the rapture all figured out and they were a million miles off. All they get told is to go in and, and expect to be filled. And, and, and I mean, goodness, goodness, when, when he fulfilled this prophecy, it's not like they expected. It's it, when John's life didn't happen like they expected. And, and in fact is, and in fact is that even the, the promise of the Holy Ghost coming upon them didn't come like they expected. Amen. Brother Branham talks about that. They're in the upper room and they're saying, Peter, you think we got it now? You know, I think maybe we got it. Boys, I think we can just go ahead. We've been up here three and a half days now. You know, and, uh, and, and, and if that crowd kind of lost the argument, they resurfaced at day seven and, and then day eight. Okay, we are really done here. It's been eight days and they still got two more days of waiting to go. You see, friends, sometimes God does the supernatural because we need a little bit of guidance we're so desperate for it. But then sometimes he won't on purpose because he's wanting the, the greater supernatural and that is for you just to believe his word. Take him at his word and believe him and confess what he said, see? So, you know, the, the, the Lord is simply not going to let you figure things out in advance. You've got to face a situation even when you don't understand it. And either you have faith or you don't. Pretty cut and dry. Either you have faith or you don't have it. You know, even the, uh, 
As I said, even the promise of the Spirit coming upon them would be, would be different than what they thought. You know, and when they're on the Mount of Olives, it's different than what they thought. They, as I said, I kind of interrupted myself. They thought his kingdom for Israel is going to be restored at that point. And actually, there's not anything they could have said that would have been more opposite of the truth. Will you now restore Israel? <laughs> no. But boy, really no. I mean, 2,000 years are going to have to transpire. Seven contiguous church ages are going to have to go forth. Seven, there's going to be seven spirits of God. There's going to be four living creatures. There's going to be the falling away and the restoration of the bride tree. Am I going to restore Israel? Yeah, but not like you think. Oh, my goodness. Can we learn a lesson tonight, friends? Oh, hallelujah. So, so, you know, I mean, our parents and our grandparents thought that they had the rapture uh, figured out when Brother Branham was here. And even, even Brother Branham, I can say this now. You don't have to throw something at me. I'm not committing a terrible transgression. Uh, we can say it now because of, of the history. But, but even Brother Branham says things that seem to propose it would be different from what he thought in many ways. And, and ultimately, but now, ultimately, it, it would be everything he thought. Because it always is when a prophet says those things. It is what he thought, only sometimes it's not in the way we think. The way we think is not maybe what God meant. See? And that, those times come where you just have to say, I've overturned every stone and all I know is that I know God is real and I know I believe him and I know I'm never leaving him and I know I'm going forward and that's all I know, that's all I know. Amen. See? This is clear in the message today. We can, we can make these kinds of statements as the, as the fourth generation from the prophet now rises into adulthood. My own children, sister, uh, my, my, my grandchildren, my children's children, my grandchildren, sister Jean's great-grandchildren. And we see them already growing into adulthood. Why does God perform the supernatural? Sometimes it's to draw people to repentance and to draw them to faith in him. As he did in Acts 2, we won't turn to it, Brother Caleb, because I'm running out of time, but we're familiar with the story anyway. We, we read there in Acts 2 and 37 where the, the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. Sometimes God has to just plain old hurt your feelings. Sometimes he has to make you mad. I, I was testifying in Arizona and we were talking about a situation and somebody was talking about, you know, um, the, the subject of indifference, indifference to the word of God came up because that's the, the sad falls by the wayside and it just lays on the ground the people they don't really care it's just it's, it doesn't mean anything to them and then the fowls of the air come and pick it up and that's the demons that come you said in a church service like this one here and the gospel went forth and okay fine it's really great for y'all okay great have at it but to you it means nothing it's not even that you're rejecting it you just are indifferent you're just okay i'm just a good old person whatever you know, and, and, here, and here we are talking about the words of eternal life and your opportunity is right in your hands 
to receive eternal life and you're just going to let it like water run through your fingers and oh well. And that's indifference. And I said, that's, that's the saddest part. I, I, I was witnessing to a sister one time whose mother was very angry. She's trying to witness the message to her. Which when we say that, witnessing the message, we're just witnessing the gospel. That's what the message is. Nothing, just the gospel. And it's just the gospel returned back to its pure form like it was in the original. That's all it is. It's not another gospel. It's the original one. And so, so she's witnessing the gospel, the message to her mother. And her mother is, uh, you know, real staunch denominational and thinks she already knows it all, but her life proves it doesn't, and that's why the daughter's trying to witness to her mom. You need to think about, I mean, if you really say you had the Spirit of God, would you do that? Would you live like that? Would you dress like that? Would you go there? Would you say things like that? Isn't the Spirit of God holy? Fair question. People don't like that, but it's a fair question. See? Brother Brandon would say, sisters, you get out here. And he th- here's a gentleman, gave him the courtesy of calling him sisters. Said, you get out here, and then he's in decent clothes out here mowing your grass, and say you got the Holy Ghost. And he said, just remember, sister, he's a Holy Spirit, not a filthy spirit. You can't claim to have the Holy Spirit when you dress immorally. That, 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 is, that, that becomes an, almost an oxymoron, I guess. That's not even possible, see? That's why the Bible says, without holiness, no man shall see God, period. End of story, case closed, see? So, so even, even the foolish virgin who don't get the message yet find acceptance in God because they were righteous. And they lived as saints, sanctified ones. The Bible calls them that, calls them righteous and calls them saints, so, so we find that, you know, when it comes down to it, that, that, that they're, they're pricked in their heart. And they say to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what must we do? And Peter, Peter doesn't tell them to go join a Bible college. He just says, repent. He doesn't tell them to go do penance and crawl on glass and whip yourself. He just says, repent. Amen. Repent. Stop thinking like the world. Start thinking like the word. See? And, and so, so the, the, this, this was to bring them Christ and the remission of sins. So, so why does God sometimes perform the supernatural? Sometimes it's to draw people to repentance and faith in him. See? So he gave them the demonstration. Those people saw them coming out of the upper room and they heard every man speak in his own language. See, And so... And so sometimes he, you know, here, let me, let, me go, let me come full circle tonight before I close. I'll come back to my text in Exodus 7. Because sometimes God performs the supernatural to reveal his power and his glory to his people. I said this at the beginning. And to the world. And we're looking for a short, quick, powerful demonstration. We're looking for the, fresh, for the fresh dynamics of this church to be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. We're looking for that. We're promised that. And I'm, I'm hanging on to that promise. But I'm also not unaware that a lot of it's happening now. I already see it happening in my life. It's, it, listen, friends, 
You, know, you say, oh, but my, if you just knew my problems and if you knew my weaknesses, if you knew my failures, could, could I, if you knew my past life, I'm in no shape. Listen, friends, it should be noted in this first Exodus, and it's also true in the second Exodus. I don't have time to break it down tonight. But it's certainly true in the first and the second and the third Exodus that, that, that God, you know, it involves his family. God involves his family in this supernatural. He's got Moses, I'll make you a God, and Aaron's gonna be like your prophet. I'm gonna put you in the model of like, of like me and my prophet. You'll be God and he'll be the prophet. Oh, friends, you think that this bride is hopeless since a prophet went home? Nothing doing. The ministry of the Son of Man is still here and stronger than it's ever been and more capable because now it's got an elect lady risen in maturity and is ready to take her stand on the Word of God. In the first Exodus, it should be noted that by the time you come to Exodus 7 where we read and God is saying, you'll be like a God and Aaron will be like your prophet, you need to realize that this was after Moses had come to the end of himself and finally stopped running. This was the time when he came to the end of his own abilities. It was then that God found him wandering in a wilderness like he found you, like he found me, wandering in a wilderness, tired of being who we were, uh, feeling like our life was a failure. We wasted all those years. But the, the truth of the matter was Moses hadn't wasted one of them. Brother Branham said God needed him to be there 40 years and then he needed him to be in the desert 40 years and then he's gonna use him 40 years. Don't think the devil has anything on you. I don't care what you ever failed or gave into. God has always been in control. And he's ready now to sweep it all into the sea of forgetfulness and start this world over with a millennial reign and a righteous king on the throne. And it's his family. You're talking about a supernatural miracle. He's gonna demonstrate the supernatural one last time. Exodus 7 is after he returned to Egypt. And begin to work for the Lord among the people. Exodus 7 is after things didn't go as they thought. Exodus 7 is after it seemed to have gotten worse. Moses cried to God because of the situation. But it was all always all under God's control and his plan was not actually being hindered at all. Amen. Whose perspective? Yours or theirs or God's? Well, which one should count? <laughs> which one should you live by? Yours or his? Live by yours and I'll see you in my office tomorrow because you're going to need counseling. And I'll see you the next day you're going to need it again. I'll see you the next day because you're going to need it again. And you're going to wear me out needing counseling if you keep looking at your life through your own lens. 
I'm here to tell you, look through the lens of Almighty God. He has already done so much miraculous. Oh, let me tell you something, friends. No matter what we see happening before Exodus 7, during Exodus 7, and after Exodus 7, Israel's exodus from Egypt was always going to happen. Pharaoh was always going to cave in eventually and let God's people go. But God is determined to work through his family as he did in the example of Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh. So just raise a volunteering hand and say, me, I'll I'll volunteer, Lord. Hallelujah. These trials and these seeming setbacks, I want to say to you today, friends, they they not only are being endured by you, but they need to be. They must be endured. But our vision should never be dim because I will tell you, we are going out of here. And there's not enough pharaohs and all of his soldiers. There's not enough devils and all of his demons. Satan is not powerful enough to keep me from going out of here. And I'll say this tonight before I, before I turn it back and call the musicians. Let me just make this last statement. We're all rejoicing and looking forward to the rapture. Say, yes, sir, Brother Jason, I'm getting out of here. But you know something? The truth of the matter is we're human beings. We're struggling along. We're trying to please the Lord. The devil's fighting us. You know, and I can say we're going out of here, but you're, you're here right now. Let me, let me say it like that. Here as a thing. You're here that's right now happening to you. So I know I'm going out of here, out of here eventually, but I got a here that's right here. And I, I got a here that's a, a right now here. And I'm here, to, I'm here to tell you something, friends. It might be, it might be a besetting sin. It might be a, a, a relentless affliction in your flesh, but there's power for your here right now. There's power, whatever it is. The world is coming to its last days. Global upheaval is rolling and it can't be stopped. And the bride is coming to her last days. And whatever your here is, they say, I got this problem and that's my here. I got a here. I know I'm going there, but I got a problem now. I'm here to tell you there's not enough pharaohs and there's not enough devils to stop you from getting your victory in your here right now. Oh, why don't you stand on your feet and say, I want my here right now. I want my victory right now. I want to see victory in my life. I want to see victory in my flesh. I want to see victory in my home. Is that your desire, friends? There's more than enough power in the blood for you and I. There's more than enough power in the blood to meet every challenge that we have. Amen. God bless you. Amen. There's power in the blood, Brother Andrew. We're going to sing an oldie goldie. Amen. Brother Bradley. Amen. Would you be free? Sin. Four people. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you a victory for Jesus win? There's power in the blood. There's wonder working power in the blood. Do you believe it now? Amen. Start us out. Burden of sin. Come on. 
There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. A victory win. There's wonderful power in the blood. supernatural hand of God in our lives. <clears throat> I love the fact that, you know, God don't ask anybody's permission to help me. He helps me because he loves me. When he's going to perform the supernatural for you and your life and meet your need, he don't ask for anybody's permission. <laughs> Neither does he accept anybody's resistance. He just walks right past it. You know, they, the old saying is it's, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. Yeah, he don't do that either. <laughs> he just moves like he wants to move. I'm glad to know that he's my father. Brother Travis writes in prayer requests for Marcus Humphrey, the man who God miraculously healed from cancer last year. 
He has not been able to digest food well and has slowly lost his strength over the last several months. They are now giving him only a week or so to live. Doctors don't have any answers or remedies. That's the man that was in stage four with probably days to live and they took another CAT scan after prayer and he was clean as a whistle. You know, it's obvious that the devil has it in for this guy and the Lord's already saved his life one time. That's a perfect example. If he passes away, that's a perfect example. Brother Brandon was saying, said, you know, what's the greatest miracle is your salvation. He said, say, oh, heal somebody of cancer. He said, he could heal you of cancer this year and you die of cancer next year. Here we have no continuing city. Just because God heals your body of something don't mean you won't get sick again. So the greatest miracle that God can do is the salvation of your soul. So we're going to pray for this man again, but we're going to pray that the Lord will reveal himself to him. He's already a wonderful Christian man, but I think that Brother Travis has really spoken to him, you know, about the systems of religion today and tried to get him to see a clearer picture in the, in the message of the hour. So let's be praying for that. Amen. Brother Richard Noyes requests prayer. Um, oh my. Um, Brother Richard having some mental battles there. Poor brother. Devil fighting him like that. Feels like he's being overwhelmed. Amen. Praise the Lord. You going to pray for our brother tonight? Amen. Uh, I don't know if that was from last week or not, but it's laying up here on my desk. Sister Melissa. Um, okay. This is my sister Debbie. Okay, so Sister Debbie went out. She wants us to pray for her. She's dealing with some stomach issues. You know, Sister Debbie, that would have to be pretty severe to get her to walk out of the, out of the building. So let's be praying for her. Amen. She barely made it here tonight. I wore her out taking her on a whirlwind trip. Amen. To Arizona. She was a trooper. She got on the plane with me and went. And it was a whirlwind trip and whirlwind services and a whirlwind back home. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, she almost didn't come tonight, but she wanted to come. She wanted to come. She said, oh, I just hate to miss church. I wanted to come. Amen. So let's be praying for her. Also, um, my own sister, Lisa St. John, has been dealing with some severe blood pressure and fatigue issues, really needing the Lord to touch her. I only found out today that Sister Amber's brother passed away. I guess Saturday, and they were down in Florida. Actually, they were just coming back today, arriving back from, they stopped in Jacksonville, I think, to, or St. Augustine to see Brother Tony's parents. And so uh, we just want to pray. I told Sister Amber, you know, to please express our deepest uh, heartfelt sympathy and condolences to her family. Lord knows all about that. Um, he wasn't very old, but it was all in the Lord's hands. Plenty of people were praying. Lord decided to take him on. That's in God's prerogative. We don't question those things, but we certainly can ask the Lord to comfort their family. Will you do that with me and join with me tonight in that? Amen. Amen. Join with somebody standing near you, and let's take these to the Lord. Father, we bring before you Sister Amber's family. And this time of a sad loss, Lord, death comes to us all, Lord, only there will be a small group that will be alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. And Father, we lose loved ones. We, we lay them away. But, and we sorrow, Lord. It's not that we don't sorrow, only that we don't sorrow as the world sorrows because they have no hope. We have a great hope of the resurrection, Lord. And I pray that you'll bring great comfort 
uh, to the sister Amber's family at this time. Lord, you see the request that Brother Travis has turned in for Marcus Humphrey. Lord, uh, you, you have already did such a miraculous thing. His story has went around the world. Those PET scans, those x-rays proved that you are a miraculous God. Lord, and I pray for him once more now. We bring him before you and ask for your mercy. Lord, for our own Sister Debbie, we pray, Lord, who had to step out. Now, Lord, with some kind of a stomach issue of acid or what more. And I pray for your mercy right now for my wife. She's tired, Lord, and weary from the trip. But Father, may you reward her for her diligence and faithfulness to be at my side. I needed her, Lord. And you know, and she went for my sake, Father. And so I ask for your mercy. Now repay her, Lord, with great kindness, I pray. Lord, there's many needs tonight that the word, Father, that we maybe arrived here and have needs that we didn't even know about. Lord, I think about my sister in Washington State suffering, Lord, with blood pressure. That's a demon, Lord. All this fatigue. I pray right now that you let the angel of the Lord's presence lay his hand upon her and may she be well. And all the needs, Lord, that the word has revealed in our hearts that we have need of thee. Lord, we need thee. I pray that you will grant it to us tonight. Let the word that we heard Lord, go with us now, and in days to come, may we be rejoicing in it still. To see the hand of God in whatever way you move, Lord, we trust you. That's our last will and testament, Lord, that if we leave this world tonight, let the world know that our last will and testament is, I believe God. I believe God. I believe in him. I believe him. I believe in him. I believe he lives in me. I trust him completely with all my life. Father, we thank you for this service tonight. We commit it all into your hands now. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's a pretty song. That's familiar. Let's sing that. Now my own. Oh, yes, that's familiar. He is my everything, both great and small. Oh, could we worship him? He gave his life for me. Sing it one more time, we'll let you go. Oh, he is my. 
testimonies next time. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.
it is.